0: Lord Jesus, um, for Your namesake, uh, would You would You work in this place here today? and um, Would You teach what You want to taught through Your Word, and uh, what You put into Your Word? Would You give us the ability to bring it out, so that we could we could find joy, You could be honored in our schools, uh, in our workplaces. Jesus, for Your namesake and for our joy, change us in this time. And do it only you can do, Holy Spirit. We confess, I confess my inability to speak any words that would change anyone. And and everyone here confesses their inability to respond to your words on their own. So, Holy Spirit, would you work in this time? Amen. All right. Good morning, y'all. Today, I got to admit, this is a a tricky passage, at least I thought it was. Um, Up until studying for this, I didn't really understand it. But we're going to be in 1 John 2, 24 through 27. And so if you could hit that first slide. Heresy and the Spirit. That first word, heresy, it's a pretty crazy word. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that word. All right, like five of us. Um, I want to try to define it before we start. Um, that's, this is what we're going to be talking about today, heresy. It's it's any belief that contradicts core Christian doctrine. Um, that means any belief that is opposite of what you need to believe to be saved. Because to be saved, it's not about being obedient, it's about trusting Jesus, right? When someone told you that story about trusting, about Jesus, what he did on a cross 2,000 years ago somewhere outside of, Jerusalem. When, when you heard that story, you said, "All right, there's an idea," and I believe this idea about this guy named Jesus. That hey, you like you sinned, and this somehow, two thousand years ago, a man not sinning and then dying, it saves you, and somehow that causes you to go to heaven when you die, and so you're you're being saved by trusting a message. Now there are people out there who would change that message. And they would say, um, there are lots of different heresies as we call it, but the basic definition is anything that you believe that would send you to hell. Um, Anything that if someone believes it, they are not really a Christian. And we're going to be talking about that today, if you could flip the slide. So, you guys talked about Antichrist last week, right? I wasn't here, but that's what I'm told. Is that true? Yes, no? So when you think of Antichrist, do you think, like, Left Behind, Kirk Cameron, that whole deal? That's what I think of. Um, But Tim talked about last week, Antichrist is anyone um, who is opposed to Christ, I assume. That's what um, 1 John says. Anyone who teaches something that is opposed to the message of Jesus. And In verse 23, it says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. He says, hey, these people who teach a message opposite of the message of Jesus, they don't have God. Think about that for a second. If they teach a message that's opposite of the message of Jesus, they do not have God. That's everyone you know who would say, no, Jesus isn't isn't my thing. They don't have God no matter what they say or no matter what people say about them. And that's a really brutal word. Um, and the beginning of today is going to be a little brutal. And the end is going to be, A little more encouraging. So if you could, uh, actually no, stay right there. Heresy. There are things that we believe and we disagree on and it's okay to disagree on. And people generally call this like open-handed and closed-handed doctrines. Um, If you could take your hands and put them out in front of you. Say, hey hands. What's up hands? These are your hands. They move if you tell them to move. They have nerves and functions in them. Now, close one hand. All right. So, on one hand, you've got an open hand. On one hand, you've got a closed hand. When it comes to things about um, Christianity, about things Christianity teaches, there's things that go in your closed hand, and there's things that go in your open hand. And your closed hand is, Jesus is God. I'm saved by trusting Jesus and not being, I'm not about my own obedience. And there's, Jesus was really a man. There's all these things that you must believe. And see how your hand is closed? You must hold on to them, because that is essential. Now there's things in your open hand. Raise your open hand. Say, hey, open hand. How are you doing? Doing all right? All right. You guys are getting very acquainted with your open hand. Now this this open hand is things that you can feel very passionate about, um, and you can disagree with people on, but you're still a Christian, and so is the other person. like baptism. Who here was baptized as a small child? Very small child. Okay? Who here was not baptized as a very small child? All right. So some people raised their hand and some people didn't. That We would call that an open-handed doctrine. You people that raised your hand baptized as an infant aren't going to hell. And you people that raised your hand not baptized as an infant aren't going to hell. Um, has anyone ever been a ch- part of a church where, like, a woman is the head pastor? Anybody? Okay. I got a couple of you. Um I feel pretty passionately about that and um, that there's gender roles within the church, but there, I know people that love Jesus um, and are going I'm going to see in heaven who disagree with me on that. And that's an open-handed thing. All right, now anybody ever been in a church where they say Jesus is not God? Anybody? Okay, good, because that would go in your, take a quick guess which hand. False. Closed. That would go in your closed-handed doctor. Closed-handed hand. Um, if someone says Jesus is not God, they're not a Christian. Um, has anyone ever been in a church where they told you... This is more um, plausible. Has anyone ever been in a church where they tell you, it's what, about what you do. It's about you being obedient to Jesus, and therefore you will go to heaven if you are obedient enough. All right, Jacob raised his hand. A couple of us raised our hand. And um, that's more prominent today. And that also would go in the closed-handed doctrine. Like You have to believe this message of Jesus. So, I won't use the big words um, because they're unnecessary, but think. Closed-handed, open-handed. All right, repeat with me. Closed, open. Jesus is God. Um, Baptism. Jesus is God. Women as pastors. All right, great job, crew. If you could flip the slide. Those are those two big words. Heresy is the closed-handed. Heterodoxy is the open-handed. You don't really need those words, and you'll never hear them again, so don't worry about them. And that was just what I explained, so we can keep on rolling. Who's got their Bible and or app? Both are acceptable. I recommend opening your Bible and or app. And flipping to the book of 1 John, chapter 2. So notes, see what time it is. First John, it's after Hebrews, after James, after Peter, before Revelation, and second John, obviously. I'm gonna read this for you, didn't have time to put it on the slides, but is everybody ready ready? Alright. Oh yeah, I did just say go crew the children. Um Luke just texted me that. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. Now, he says, "Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you." This is going to take some participation. Um, we've talked about First John for some some months now. So, does anybody have a good working definition of the word "abide"? What's up? Ab- do what? Live by? Okay. What's up, man? Remain? Yeah, that's a good one. Anybody else? Do what? Follow? Okay. I like the guy in the green shirt that I forgot your names the best. Remain. And that's what this dictionary that I looked up gave me. It said, and I quote, to remain or abide. Funny that you would have that definition. Um, uh, That's not good. So... To remain, to remain in a place, like to say, you are abiding in your chair, green-shirted man, like you are remaining in that place. To say, Amanda is abiding as a listener because she's abiding in that state of listener. So she's she's remaining in that state, and you're abiding in the state of holding a Bible open. You're remaining in the state of holding the Bible open. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. So... To abide somewhere means to stay there, to stay there in the same way. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. And when he says what you have heard from the beginning, what does he mean by that? Any ideas? Duet? I can't hear you, man. When you're born? Okay, so um, when you're born, what would be abiding in you from when you were born? Ninja moves. Your religion? Okay. Yeah, your, your religion, your way of looking at the world, abiding in you. Um, I, I don't think he was talking about when you're born, but that's a good guess. I think he was saying, hey, I, the Apostle John, have this story about Jesus. And I told you what it was in the beginning. Like, I started telling you this story about Jesus. And this is what I told you from the beginning. Like, there's a message that I told you from the beginning. And I want that to remain in you, O oh, green-shirted man. I want, that to, I want this story about Jesus to remain in you. So I don't want you to leave this story that I told you and go off into something new. Do we have people telling us things that are new, that are not the historic ancient Christianity that were taught by the apostles? Yes. Anybody have any ideas of what those would be? I have some ideas later if nobody does. What's up? You have to get baptized to go to heaven. Okay. Yeah? That's something that um some denominations teach. Any other thoughts? Alright, we can move on. So He says, I want you to believe the same message that I taught you in the beginning. Next slide, my friend. The stakes. The stakes are high, my friends. And I will read them to you. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. So, the stakes are eternal life. Is that big? Is that a big deal? Not going to hell when you die to be tortured for eternity? Good thing? Anybody ever burn themselves? Yeah, I have too, and it sucks. Um, So those stakes are high. So he says, Let what you heard from the beginning, the gospel message that I taught you about Jesus, the God who is man, coming down to earth and saving you from your sins through faith in him, let that message remain in you. And if it does, if, I quote now, if what you heard from the beginning remains in you, abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. So you you being connected and you staying connected to Jesus, staying connected to the Father Having this connection with God is dependent on you continuing to believe the same message that was taught by John and the apostles and what you heard from the beginning. So if you, if you reject the message of Jesus that you once heard, then you will not remain or abide in the Father. Because Christianity is about faith. It's about belief. It's about trust. And um, trust always has content. This is an old illustration, but you're you're sitting in a chair. You're trusting that that chair is going to hold you up. Um, You don't have some some weird, mystical idea of faith. You, right now, are sitting in a chair, and you trust that chair. Um, You are trusting to be safe. You're trusting this message of Jesus. You're trusting the content that Jesus died on a cross, taking a death he didn't deserve because you deserve to die. So, according to 1 John 24, 2-24, if you continue believing this gospel message, you will remain connected to God. And those who remain connected to God have eternal life. Big deal again? So anybody, anybody not want to remain connected to God? Anybody? Any hands? Any takers? All right, then I've got, a good, idea. I've got good news for you. Just continue believing the same gospel that we've been teaching you, that Jesus is your righteousness. And now, if we could switch slides. The purpose. Verse 26 tells us why John's writing this to these believers. He says, I write these things to you, the things that we talked about just a minute ago and last week, about those who are trying to deceive you. So, some people are trying to deceive you. They want to cause you to believe something that's not true. They're actively working against your Christianity to cause you to believe something that's not true. Anybody not believe that's happening in the world? Yeah, because it is. Um, People are going to try to convince you that the gospel is not true because they don't like the gospel. Um, They want you to believe what they believe. So people people are going to try to steal your confidence in this message. And that's why John's writing this. If you could switch to the next slide. Intermission. I don't have any popcorn, and I don't have a fun little vaudeville tune. But what I do have are some modern heresies. Just as fun, right? So um, I think that John would have told you guys what exactly that he wanted you to be on guard from, uh, because he did in verse 23. um, And since he's not writing to Temple Bible Church of 2012, um, I think these are some of the things he would point out. Um, This first one is probably definitely going to be the most controversial, but Mormonism, I believe, is heresy. Um, I do not believe the Mormon church is legitimate um, for two reasons. Um, They say that Jesus is not God in the same sense that God the Father is God. And really, if you get down to it, they don't even really think that God the Father is God in the fullest sense. Um, That's tricky and confusing. Um, But just know that Mormons do not worship the same Jesus. Um, And that's tricky, because does anyone know the name used by Mormons today? Anybody at all? Church of who? Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Church of Jesus Christ. So they throw the name Jesus in there, and so people will automatically lump him in, say, we're Christians. It's not the same Jesus. You can take... Man, this is a trick that's been going on for thousands of years, but they take Christian language and fill it with ideas that are anti-Christ. But everyone gets fooled by the surface. But don't get fooled by the surface. Um, Jesus isn't God in Mormonism. Also, they teach us salvation by works, um, but we don't need to get into that. Now... Here's another thing that I think John would write to you against, because Paul writes to it in Galatians 5. He says, um, some people are going to come to you and say, you know what? Jesus is pretty good, but you've also got to do these things and be obedient enough. Um, no one tells you what enough is, but you've got to be just obedient enough to be saved. And somehow that saves you. And I think Paul, uh, not Paul, but John would say, that's heresy. Don't believe that hey, you're saved by this message of Jesus. And I keep repeating that because it's. if you just grab that, that's fine. Um, but you're not saved by the story of Jesus and believing that, and on top of that being a good person, even though no one defines how good of a person you're supposed to be. You're saved just by trusting Jesus. That, that was the intermission. Wasn't it happy? I think it was happy. Another thing... Um, I hesitated to put this in there because it's a completely different religion, but they teach things about Jesus, so I'd say Islam. Um, Islam teaches that Jesus was a prophet, a good prophet, who didn't die on the cross because God would never allow a righteous person to suffer. That's heresy. It's so far heresy, obviously, to be a different religion, Islam, but that's not the Jesus we worship. And there's a guy named Bart Ehrman, whose name you will never hear again, but whose teaching you will hear um, you will hear, especially if you go to college, which most of you are in this room. Um, he would say that Jesus, he was a really good guy, a really good moral teacher. Um, but you know what? He never claimed to be God. Um, and He wouldn't want you to think he was God. And he be, wouldn't want to be worshipped as God. And you know the Bible you have in your hands? Um, that was changed by the church around 300. That's not really what Jesus taught or what he was like. Now there's all kinds of reasons it's not true. But just know that these people are going to be teaching these things, especially that one. That's very popular in our culture today. Um, I remember getting a, a magazine at my house back in San Antonio, um, and it had like catalogs of classes you could take, and one was written by this guy named Bart Ehrman, and it was The History of Christianity, written by a man who doesn't believe that Jesus is God. Um, and this is going to be taught to you. This is, I promise. But hear John's warning. Let the things that you have been taught from the beginning remain in you. Because if they remain in you, if they remain in you, you will remain in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise he's made to you who don't give in to these lies. Eternal life. And if you could flip to the next happy little slide. The anointing. Anybody ever heard that word anointing before? That's a very very cool little word. It's a very catch word in our culture today. Um, At least Christian culture today, not regular culture. He says, But, he says, these people are going to try to deceive you. They're going to try to deceive you, but the anointing that you have received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. So somehow, this anointing, whatever it is, not sure yet, but whatever this anointing is somehow counteracts the people who are trying to deceive you. Now, this is going to be some participation. What does John mean by the anointing? Adults can't answer. What's up, man? Say that again, man? I think you got it. Yeah, that God is inside you. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost from my King James brothers, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. So this anointing, this Holy Spirit, somehow works against the people who are trying to deceive you, works against the bar- airmens of the world who are going to try to convince you that Jesus isn't really God. So somehow the Spirit counteracts that. And he goes on to say, But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Wait a minute. Hold on. What's this in my hand? Why do I have a microphone? To make my voice louder? Why? Why does my voice need to be loud? So you can hear me. Why does it matter that you hear me? Because what? So you can hear me? So you can learn? Because I'm teaching you. You have no need that anyone should teach you. Why? am I wasting your time? Better yet, John's writing a letter to some Christians. He's writing in a letter to teach them. Why is he writing in a letter, why is he teaching them that no one needs to teach them? Anybody else confused by that? Yeah. What's up? You have a, somebody raise their hand? Okay. I thought you were raising your hand like, hey, I got some cool insight. So, He's writing this letter, and he says, (laughs) he's writing this letter, and he says, you don't have any need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything. So somehow this Holy Spirit that's inside of you is going to teach you things. I had some cool quotes. I don't think I'm going to end up using them because we didn't have time to put in. Uh, It's not going to do that. But the Holy Spirit is going to teach you about everything John says. Holy Spirit, I really, you know what, I was thinking the other day, and I'd just like to know astronomy really well. Um, If you could just imbue me with the astronomy knowledge of the universe, that'd be helpful. Um, Maybe some chemistry on top of that. And I'd really just, I don't know, um, I'd like to invent something new and make a lot of money. Could you teach me about that? that? Is that what John means? No? Then what does he mean? What does he mean, teaches you about everything? He means, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you about everything you need to be saved. The Holy Spirit is not going to let you wander off into these heresies. He is your teacher. There's an inward, like, for Christians, you just, you just know. Like, you don't know why, but you just know There's something wrong with when people say Jesus isn't God. I'm not saying we we believe in Jesus because we just have some mystical me and Jesus experience. There's reasons we believe in Jesus. But for those of us who have put their faith in Jesus, we're not going to wander off into some sketchy uh, teachings about Jesus because the Holy Spirit's going to keep us from that. Now what does that mean for you in middle school? It means that you know, you don't, you don't have to be freaked out about the future. Some of you are going to grow up and go to college again. Um, and some of you are going to go to UT, or A&M, or Baylor, or University of South Carolina, or some other school, or The Crew. The Crew wouldn't quite work for this illustration, but I hope many of you go to The Crew. Um, you're going to go to a school where people just hate the gospel. You're going to be around really smart people, people with like 17 PhDs and speak like 47 languages, 13 of them are dead. And like, how? Do, like, what do I even do? Like, if I even talk to this guy, I'm going to be convinced that Jesus isn't God and then I'm going to go to hell. And some of you are going to freak out about that. And 1 John writes to you and he says, Hey, don't, don't worry about that. The anointing that you have received from him abides in you. You know, this Holy Spirit, he's in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but his anointing is going to teach you about everything, and it's true, and it's no lie. He's going to guard you from believing that. You may not know why um, that what he is saying isn't true. You may doubt, and you may think, I don't know, maybe Jesus isn't God, but you're not going to give in. You're not going to give in if you have the Holy Spirit. That's the first group of you. The second group of you are going to give in. the second group of us are going to give in. And from the passage before, it says, they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. He says, hey, if you, let me put it this way. If in five years I, if in five years I, Andrew Steuben, don't care anything about Jesus and turn my back on him and say, Jesus isn't God, I don't care, I'm doing my own thing, Right now, I'm not saved. Right now, I don't have the Holy Spirit. I do. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, if in five years, and I don't think this is happening. I love Jesus. I'm sticking in this thing for real. I'm convinced that the resurrection happened. But if in five years, I am not continuing in what I've heard from the beginning, I never knew him in the first place. And so there's two groups of us in this room. One group's going to remain in the gospel. One group's going to persevere who's going to be held by the Holy Spirit who, which is not going to cause you to walk off into some heresy. The second of us we're going to leave. So John gives us a command. He says just as it is taught you abide in him. Isn't that weird? He says the Holy S- Holy Spirit's going to force you. He's going to cause you to remain a Christian. So remain a Christian. Is that confusing to anybody? You're not going to get through your doubts just by sitting there um, and not engaging with it. The Holy Spirit's going to cause you to engage with your doubts. The Holy Spirit's going to cause you to keep, like, keep pressing in. So there's you pressing in, the, the Holy Spirit causing you to do that. So you need to be active, you need to study, you need to remain in the gospel, you need to preach the gospel to yourself each day so that you don't lose it. But the Holy Spirit's going to keep you from losing it, you, those of you who have him now. So I'm all about recaps, because if you can't if you can't explain to your parents in a sentence what we learned today, then I didn't do my job, and we didn't waste our time but i want everyone to leave this room with this people are going to try to deceive me but the holy spirit is not going to let his own be deceived so let's let's repeat that together people are going to try to deceive me but the holy spirit is not going to let his own be deceived people are going to try to deceive me, but the Holy Spirit is not going to let his own be deceived. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your promise um, in the scripture. I pray that, that everyone here would think about what you said um, in your scripture in 1 John 2, 24-27. That would give encouragement to these guys and girls. Um, and they would just give us a truer look at who you are so that we can have passion to know you. And in Jesus' name we pray, and for his name we pray, amen.